Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guests are Murr and Darren Wearmouth. Murr is a writer, executive producer, and actor best known as Murr on the hit television show Impractical Jokers on True TV. Originally from Staten Island, he now lives in Princeton, New Jersey with his wife and puppy. Darren Wearmouth is a best-selling author and co-author of many novels, including Critical Strike and Fast Forward. He is a member of the International Thriller Writers Group and the British Science Fiction Association, and currently lives in Calgary, Alberta, with his wife and daughter. Together, they are the co-authors of the international best-selling Awaken trilogy, The Thriller Don't Move, and their brand new book, The Stowaway, just released and is in stores now. Murr and Darren, welcome back to the show. When we last spoke, it was about a year ago at the height of the pandemic. How have you been since then? And how are you feeling about your new book being released? It's great to see you again. By the way, I have a question. What society do you remember of? The British Science Fiction Association. Really? I thought they kicked you out, for, right? Didn't they rescind your membership or something? I it wasn't edited my profile yet online. Yeah, I thought you were banned, actually banned. Like you were the first member ever to get banned from the British Thriller Society. Some people say that's true. (laughs) (laughs) We feel great. We are hard at work on a new novel as well. Darren came in for a week from Canada to uh, drink White Claw and work on a new novel with me. (laughs) But we feel great. Our new book, The Stowaway, just came out a few weeks back. It is about a serial killer on a cruise ship and the only woman who can stop him. It's a great, thrilling read. We wrote it during the pandemic. And during Darren's daughter's, my goddaughter's, teething. We wrote it through her teething. And uh, it was interesting. We uh, had to write remotely, of course, because of the pandemic. But as you can see, we're both vaccinated and sitting one foot apart. <laughs> My first question is usually, where are you in the world? But your bios gave that away. So we can skip that question and hop right into the writing process of your book. Before I do that, I'm just going to read a quick description of The Stowaway. From writer, producer, and actor, best known as Murr on the hit television shows and Practical Jokers and the Misery Index, James S. Murray and co-writer Darren Wearmouth, comes The Stowaway, a suspenseful masterpiece that leaves a cruise ship stranded at sea with a serial killer hiding aboard. My first question is, that's a very high concept idea. Tell us, how do you work together to come up with the ideas for the various novels that you've worked on? And how do you decide to commit to an idea? Because obviously writers have a lot of ideas. How do you land on them? This book is different from most that we've pitched and come up with. We were at lunch with the publisher, maybe, I guess, about two years ago, right? And we knew we wanted to work together with them on something. St. Martin's Press published The Stowaway. And uh, we said to the editor, a lovely gentleman named Michael Holmler, we said to him, what are you interested in? He goes, well, I, I like the idea of something on a cruise ship, some kind of crime story on a cruise ship. And we were probably a few drinks in at that point at lunch, and we just riffed spontaneously, the idea of what about a serial killer on a cruise ship and the woman that acquitted him on the jury two years earlier is on the boat and he's on the boat as well. And she's the only one that could stop him. 
because she's the only one that knows his MO and what he's guilty of. And we riffed the idea spontaneously over lunch. And the editor said, I've never heard an idea like that. It's such a, it's a big, you know, it's a high concept idea with a great movie potential, I think, too. And uh, so that was an unusual pitch. And most of the time, what happens is like what we're doing right now, where we had an idea. When do you think we had this new book idea? Maybe a year ago, six months ago? Yeah, it's been um, brewing for a while. It's probably a year ago we were together for, I would imagine, for the Don't Move book launch or something last year. And uh, we had this idea for another serial killer novel, knowing Stowaway was going to be coming out this fall. And we finally got around to this week, which is our typical writing process and our typical pitch process, where Darren flew in. We, for the past three days, today's our third day of writing, we sit in the living room and go through, first we create the characters, then we go through chapter by chapter, sequencing the plot, figuring out the problems, the holes, then going back and changing things. We create this master outline. And then from that, we'll have the master outline finished tomorrow. So it takes like four days usually. And the fifth day is us taking that outline and now writing into a summary narrative style. That's probably a 10, 12 page document. Then we will send that into publishers and uh, hopefully they say yes. And We've been five for five so far, not going yeah. That's the typical process. It's not usually like the stowaway. <laughs> we literally, Darren and I took the subway home from that lunch. We're like, well, shit, now we got to figure the book out. We pitched the elevator pitch, the three lines of it. The guy loved it. He said, send it to me. And I'm like, shit, now we got to write this damn thing. So <laughs> then we went home, figured the plot out. We sent in like a paragraph or two. Yep. And they bought the book on the paragraph rather than the full summary. Then we worked on the summary after that, like the typical process. But that was an unusual pitch. I love the high-level overview. I would love to break those pieces down a little bit more. You mentioned the master outline. Can you walk us through what that master outline looks like? How long did it take to write it? What did it physically look like? Was it a few Word document pages? And how did you go about getting it to the place where you're ready to say, okay, we're going to write this book? The master outline is usually not even broken. A chapter. Oh, no, sometimes it is. We sometimes yeah, do one It chapter. depends, yeah, because we know at this point when we start, we know where we're going, so we can do all the foreshadowing that. We know where it starts. And some of the main events, we know that. We just start writing it in blocks, sometimes chapter breakdown for this time. Don't move, I don't think we did. But it's generally, each scene is usually a couple of paragraphs with a, a line between them, so we go scene really by scene. And we do point of view. So let's yeah. say the document we'll submit in publishers for the next book will be probably 10, 15 page document. It'll literally say, oh, we'll probably start with a summary or like a, uh, a hook of what the book is about. And the next book is uh, a number of bad folks wake up in the middle of a town, in the middle of a forest and don't know where they are, what's going on. And they're locked in. Don't give any more away. But we'll do chapter one and whose point of view it is. And then we'll do a paragraph on that chapter. Then chapter two, whose point of view it is, paragraph on the chapter, until it leads to a full summary of the book that is 15 pages long or so. And that's what we submit into publishers. But at this point, I hope they think we can write. <laughs> I think the books are getting better. You went through the outline process. Once that's approved by the publisher and you sit down to write it, you're obviously co-writers. I know we've talked about it before, but walk us through the process of when you guys write, whether that's on Zoom Right now, obviously, you're in person. Walk us through some of these situations and experiences where you're trying to write this book together, whether it's together or apart. James and I have strengths in different areas. That's what makes us a great team. Like He's good at 
dialogue and pace and everything like that. And I'm good at drinking his white claw. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Darren is very good at world building, character development, and description, and really kind of paints a picture in a reader's mind. I'm good at drinking white claw as well, and uh, or Jameson, and I'm good with uh, dialogue and with uh, pace and with chapter endings too. You know, making sure that we've got cliffhanger ending after cliffhanger ending to make what I think to be immensely readable books, you know? Yeah, so different parts, obviously, suit us um, in different times or just different chunks of chapter. We go through that, and then you have a final pass on the whole thing. I have a pass, then James has a pass after we've written the whole thing together. It sounds complicated, but it's not. We've got a good system in place. The first time we tried it, it was, but this is our fifth book, you know? If we haven't sorted out by now, we never would. Yeah, and I think it's super seamless. Like Darren will write a chapter, he'll send it to me, I'll work on it, or I'll write a, a chunk of the book and then yeah. send it to him and he'll rewrite it. And it goes back and forth very fluidly like that. And literally when we're writing the actual chapters and actually getting into the manuscript, we'll be on FaceTime a hundred times during the day if we're not physically together, which we are usually not anymore. But we'll be on FaceTime a hundred times a day, especially during crunch time, working out details and plot holes and figuring out, you know, character and background. And then we, it's very funny. We always get to a point when we finish the book and we've got a complete book before we've gone back to page one, word one, and started to do passes through, we'll always get to the book and I'll call up Darren. I was like, okay, last chapter, last sentence done. What the fuck did we just write? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right? It's always like, it's always a surprise when you go back to the beginning and you start reading it from the beginning and inevitably it'll lead to me calling Darren up and I was like, it's good. It's really good because when you're writing it in sections like that, in chapter by chapter, back and forth, back and forth, rewriting, 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 you don't have a sense of the entire forest. You only know the trees in front of you. And then uh, when we get to that point, you start back at the beginning to start doing the hard work, which is the passes through, the fine passes, again, before you submit it. I'm always pleasantly surprised. I've never been let down yet. I agree, James. It's, that is the, uh, the beauty of it, that it works for us. And it works for us pretty well. I think this time, the more we do it, the faster it gets, the smoother it gets. And it's always satisfying to submit it to a publisher at the end, knowing that we've spent a lot of hours doing it and completed something that we had in our minds. I will say, maybe this is the wrong interpretation, but we had very few notes from the editor on Don't Move and even less notes on the manuscript for The Stowaway, which either means our writing's getting better or... We're pushing them so close to the deadline that they don't have time to give us notes. They just got to get it published to hit the pub date. I don't know. We'll see. It could be either way. Our answer and the editor's answer might be different. <laughs> Murray, you had mentioned the various passes that you are doing as you get closer to completing the book. Imagine you're ironing out the details and revising things, getting more detail into there. Tell us about some of the challenges that come up in that process. Is there a time where you're going through it, and you find major changes that you have to make pretty far along the way? I don't think it's major changes. I'll give you a perfect example. So in the stowaway, we got to a point, it was maybe like chapter 27 or 28, mm -hmm. and I called you up. You were in Canada. I called you up. I said, something's not right. I said, we're missing, it was Reese, right? Yeah, Reese, Reese we're, we're missing a strong enough backstory for one of our characters, the detective on the boat, Jake Reese. We're missing gravitas. I knew the way the story was going to go. We knew how it was going to end and what the choice Reese was going to be making at the end of the book. And it just wouldn't have enough dramatic impact unless we knew more about Reese. So we had to go back and add a brand new, as yet unplanned 
chapter into the book, a flashback to Reese and what made him who he is on the boat. And that chapter adds all the weight we need for the end to have actual agency, you know, and meaning for our character. And uh, that happens in every book, right? I would say that we, we always get through and at some point, one of us will say, hold on, something's wrong, something's missing. And I think part of that is putting yourself in the mind of the character and knowing where you're going and also knowing that you want to make this a dramatic read for the reader to keep them guessing and also for it to be based on something. The more we've figured out those details out, the better the drama is going to be. So it happens in every book that we get to a point where we have to go back and add something in, or sometimes we've even deleted chapters too, right? Yeah. We realize that, shit, we don't need that. You could cut that whole chapter. It's fine. So we've lost chapters too that were in the summary and don't make it into the book. More times than not, we add things that we didn't realize in the summary. Yeah. yeah no summary survives untouched. But that's the good thing. It means that because although it feels tight in the plan, when sometimes we write it and go through those details, there's one or two things that don't quite work. But it means that we're checking ourselves. We're going over it enough times to be able to see these things. You know what we don't have anymore? We used to. We haven't had this in a long time. When Darren and I first started writing together, we did have some cultural differences, oh, yeah. right? Especially in Awakened and The Brink. There were sometimes he'd send me a chapter and I'm like, what the hell does that expression mean? I've never heard that because it's a British expression. It means nothing in America and vice versa. He'd call me up and say, what does this mean? We don't really have that much anymore. Probably because we spend too much time together. Our cultures are forming into one. Yeah. We're becoming, you know, if America had stayed with Britain in the Revolutionary War, that's what's happening. We are merging into one culture. Yeah, this is what you get. <laughs> We are the product of no revolutionary war happening. (laughs) We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writer experience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favourite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favourite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favourite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickering Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. You had mentioned working with the editor briefly. Walk us through what that process looks like. Are there things that you can do as writers to help streamline that process? For those writers listening who will be working with the editors, how do they avoid taking offense to certain notes? There's a give and take. I think it comes from a place of mutual respect. That's important in any business relationship. The editor is there to help the book be better. I think the first step is to have a great book. Like if the writing's good, it's undeniable. 
And an editor will give suggestions, but at the end of the day, I think most editors will defer to the author if there's a compelling reason. You know, it is a work of art. It's an opinion, right? So a good editor will usually defer to the author if the author is passionate about something. And when we get our notes back from the editor, it's a give and take. And we will give in on some things, we'll accept changes, and we'll push back on other things. I think the better the manuscript is to begin with, the less compromise there has to be. And we're never so attached to our ideas that we're not willing to work on it and make it better. You know, a good idea is a good idea. So, yeah, I agree. I think it comes from a place of, with a good editor and yourselves, you both want to create the best possible story. And that's what they're trying to do with the content edits. I remember at the end of Obliteration with Diego Munoz, yeah, where we kept him alive. And the editor said, actually, he's going to die. Well, we knew he had to die. He was one of our favorite characters. We got to the end of the Awakened trilogy, and uh, we said he has to die. And I was like, oh, but fans are not going to like if we kill Diego. So we came up with a bullshit ending to see if we could trick the editor <laughs> and the publisher, where he lives. He just gets like, an arm cut off, and the editor called our bluff. He goes, he's got to die, guys. Come on. And I was like, fuck, he's got to die. We knew it. Yeah. We knew it. We said it. We tried to trick him. He called us on it, and we had to change the ending. You know, so that was one where we knew the right answer. We just didn't give it to him because we. We were too emotional about our creation, you know, our character, poor Diego. Yeah. I'm going to make you a t-shirt for Christmas that says poor Diego. <laughs> Bring back Diego. Well, what's the, uh, the Stranger Things shirt that goes around? Barb deserves better, right? We have Diego deserved better. <laughs> Mur, at the beginning of the episode, you mentioned briefly the concept of the stowaway lended itself particularly well to a movie. Tell us about the future, both for the book itself and also for yourselves. Obviously, Mur, I know you've got a background in development, and obviously you work in TV. Do you guys see yourselves breaking more into that world? And where do you see this book going? Every project we write is with the intention of developing it as a TV series or movie. That is my background in TV development and what we do. So like Don't Move is going to be a Don't Movie. <laughs> we, uh, along with another screenwriter, wrote the screenplay for Don't Move. And the paperback for Don't Move that just came out, a few weeks ago, there's the paperback for it. They include the first scene of the screenplay at the end of the paperback. So the end of the paperback is actually in screenplay form, like you'd see for a movie, because this is a, we have an option to develop as a movie with a great production company, and they're out to directors now for it based on the screenplay. The screenplay is great based on the book. And the same process is happening with the stowaway right now. While we can't go to specifics, we just today. Today. Today, made a deal with a company interested in this as a movie. So there you go. More details on that to come, but it happened two hours ago. Yep. There you go. So this is breaking news. And then I have a call tomorrow for, I have three children's books coming out next year, middle grade books called Area 51 Interns, my first foray into children's books. And that's with Penguin Random House. And we have a meeting tomorrow about developing that into an animated kids series. So that's always our intention with writing everything we do is to develop and sell and package it with great partners as movies or TV shows. We've got a few bonus questions. The first being, how do you guys find time to write? I know for a lot of writers, they encounter writer's block. And most importantly, whether you have a job or all the various things that happen in life, how do you find the time to balance all those things that you do? especially for you guys who are very prolific writers, you've written several books. Do you have any advice for those writers listening on how to make the time during the day to chip away at a book? 
How we deal with writers what first is we take a step away, maybe go for a walk with James's puppy, or we'll talk about it. What's stopping us? You know, why is this difficult? Is the problems there? And and then we usually get to the bottom of it pretty quickly and then move on. So writer's block isn't really a problem for us, I'd say. No, I mean, the other day, obviously this week is all a week of creation, which is, this is my favorite part of the writing process, mm-hmm. is this week. It happens with every book where we come together and just start riffing, building from nothing, a story, characters, backstories, without mm-hmm. actually having to execute it yet. We don't have to write the damn thing yet. But it's just pure idea creation. It's a lot of fun. But the other, I mean, Monday night, we got to a point, we reached an impasse where we got through... We sequenced out the first 15 chapters of what will be our next novel. And we got to a point where we didn't know where to go. I had to go run an errand. We had to drive about an hour away to pick up something and come back with dinner. And so Darren was in the car with me. And then at two hours back and forth, we sequenced another six chapters just because we're riffing on ideas as we're driving. And we're, not, we're just not sitting on a couch staring at each other. We're actually doing something else. Today, we just did it before. We reached a point about two hours ago where we didn't know how to go. We either hike up to the top of my backyard or took the puppy for a walk about an hour ago with my wife and my employees. And we just start, you know, you, when you let go of the moment, then the ideas come. You know what also helps? Deadlines. If you only have a certain amount of time to do something, you get it done in that time. If you have no deadlines, work expands the time you allot to it, you know? So that helps a lot. And that's why we get very few editing notes because we push it right to the end of the deadline. <laughs> You mentioned earlier that sometimes when you pitch some of your new books, you might not even have to send the full book. You can send the description. But for those starting out, they have to query. They have to go through the process of writing the whole manuscript before they're pitching it. Do you have any suggestions for getting your foot in the door or for sending a query for those writers who are out there trying to get their book to an agent or an editor? It's difficult. It's difficult. I mean, I did that route. What is it? 2021? I did that route in 2004, and it did not work for me. <laughs> I got like 60 rejection letters. I came up with a great for The Book Awakened, our first book, which hit number one on the Sunday Times international bestseller list. And 16 years ago, 17 years ago, it sat on my computer, written, and I sent out the query letters. I had a killer query letter, too, with a great hook. I think that's a lot of it is a great, great hook. Yeah. It's like writing a TV treatment, right? You need a great whatever. And the hook that I had for Awakened, which is a thriller set in the subways in New York City with creatures, all that kind of stuff. I sent every query letter. In the top left corner of the query letter had a Metro card with a full fare on it. Well, back then it was probably $2.50. I don't know what the fare is now, right? It was a full $2.50 set. So I went to the, uh, the subway. I bought like 100 Metro cards with one ride on it. And I stapled at the top left corner of the query letter. I sent out to all these agencies and publishers and literary management companies. And the first line of the query letter said, Dear so-and-so, the above metric card has a full $2.50 fare on it. Use it if you dare. And then it went into what Awakened was about and so on and so forth, right? Back then it was called Subterranean. Killer opening line. And I got a lot of responses. And then, you know, they get rejected, you know, because I didn't have an agent or manager. I was nobody, what have you, back then. But I did get a lot of responses from the query letter. I think that's a, an important thing to note. Like, When you're writing a TV show treatment, it's all about the hook. It's about the sizzle. So your query letter does not have to be blah, 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 blah. It can be catchy, punchy, a hook, a catch, something that just grabs you immediately. That's a great hook. It's got a freaking Metro card. It's worth money. I'm literally, you know, and it's a clever way to do it because the whole novel 
is about not, don't you dare take the subway. There's monsters down there, right? So I think that's part of it by writing a great queer letter like that. That process, though, is really hard because your competition, there are stacks and stacks of mail in publishing houses, although it's probably digital now, I'd imagine, you know, where people are emailing their queer letter in if they'll take it. But, anyways, that process is really hard. I think a better way to go about is to go to book fairs and meet the editors. They're all there working at the book fairs, selling their books and promoting their books. If it were me now, without our fan base and Practical Jokers, without having met you, I would do one of two things. I would probably, because it's so easy now, self-publish on the Amazon platform. You know, yeah. It's a completely viable way to publish these days. Yeah. Or I would network with publishers at book fairs, at BookCon, at different book festivals around the country. Meet them, offer to take them out to lunch. Don't pitch them your book at first. Just take them out to lunch, blah, 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 blah. And you treat, and that's how you form a relationship. And that's how really... Awakened to happen, right? Awakened, I just took the uh, editor out to lunch, treated, and I gave him the elevator pitch for the book, sent it in, and that was that. And then now here we are with eight books coming out and then more to come. You know, I think it's uh, relationships and networking. I agree. It's 100% that. My experience with it was the same as James's. What you said, Amazon, it's, it's viable. If everyone's saying no and you believe in the work, you can put it out there. You get someone, pay someone to edit it and get a nice cover. It's entirely possible. That's how I started my career. My first book went really well, and all of a sudden, more people wanted to know who I was. But I would say, after speaking to these people and spending a little bit of time working with them, you should definitely make sure you have a great tagline that James said, but you should also make sure that the first three chapters are sharp. Yep. It's the one that sample, and you have to probably raise the stakes in those first three chapters as well. Yeah, they always ask for the first three chapters. You mentioned taking the editor out to lunch. My second to last question is, and I believe I've asked you this before, but I'll let you answer again. If you could take any writer, living or dead, to any restaurant, which writer would you choose, which restaurant, and why? I would take, let me think, I would take international bestselling author Darren Weirmouth to Panera. That's just me. <laughs> yeah, I would love to, like, you know, just see his background, how he just you know, really get to know the guy. What a great writer. Yeah. <laughs> that guy on Practical Jokers. Sal. Out. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I'd probably like to take him to McDonald's. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> At least I'd choose an upscale chain restaurant, <laughs> you know? In all honesty, uh, it would be awesome to meet Michael Crichton. Yes. To have met Michael Crichton. Probably six foot eight, was he? What's that? Six foot eight. He was six foot eight? Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't know that. <laughs> Michael Crichton's a big guy. Six foot eight. That's tall. That'd be wild. Where would we go? I don't know. Red Lobster? Who knows? Yeah, I'm gravitating towards Ernest Hemingway because of his habits. <laughs> <laughs> the last question, and I believe I've asked you this before, if you could choose one piece of advice from your entire career that you'd like to pass along to the writers who are listening, what would it be? Don't give up. I mean, if you believe in what you're doing and you're passionate about it and you want to get your work out there and you feel like nobody's listening or no one's reading it, just don't give up because, because there's always ways and you never know when it might happen for you. I agree. But don't give up is also predicated on you working on your craft and become good at it. You yes. know, you have to also be honest with yourself. If you suck as a writer, stop writing. You know, that's where you decide for yourself. But I completely agree with you. Like there have been so many points in our career with jokers, with things like that, where we could have given up. And it took us 11 years to get on TV, 11 years of failure. It took me 15 years to get Awakened published. 
And now here we are five years later with Stowaway, our fifth book, and more to come next year and years after. So do not give up. Also, if you love something, just do it. You know, like get better at it, work at it, get better at it, because all you have is time. You don't have money, you don't have cars or possessions or houses. All you truly have is time. It's the only thing you can't get more of, you can't buy more of. So you better make sure you spend your time, the only thing that matters with you, doing what you love. Well, thank you guys. It's been a lot of fun and it's been a pleasure. Murr and Darren's newest novel, The Stowaway, just released and is in stores now. If you're listening, please check it out. Guys, thank you so much again. Is there anything else you want to plug or shout out? Deals that you made, books that are coming, anything that you want to put out there for those listening? You can get The Stowaway anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. If you would like an autographed copy, go to meetmurr.com, M-E-E-T, meetmurr.com. We have a, uh, what else? Area 51 Interns is on presale right now from Penguin Random House. You can pick that up right now. It's a great middle grade children's book series about aliens and kids who save the day. At Area 51, every single book, it's a three book series. So pick that up today. And you can go to area51novel.com, the number five one, area51novel.com right now to pre-order a copy. And other than that, I would say, my friend, we should head out soon to go to either McDonald's or Panera. Where do you want to go? We'll toss the coin. We'll toss the coin. There you go. That's the first time that I've asked the question, who would you take to any restaurant where the people in the interview actually went out to get food together? Murr, Darren, go celebrate the deal that you mentioned. Have a couple White Claws on Murr. It's always a pleasure talking to you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks. And thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.